This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, as we've been saying, the alternative view is that minimum wage earners would be better off with the dollar increase to $15 rather than the tax credit that Doug Ford is promising. Sheila Block, senior economist for the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, is the person who crunched the numbers, and she joins us now. Sheila, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Okay, so please go through uh, the math on this. Uh, We just had Doug Ford on, and he is adamant that uh, what he's offering is a better deal. Sure. So um, what, what Doug Ford has offered originally a couple of months ago, maybe he said, oh, everybody making under $30,000 a year wouldn't pay any tax. And I guess he went back, looked at how that would or wouldn't work, and uh, came back with another proposal that became public yesterday. And what that proposal said is that there would be a tax credit so that anybody making minimum wage would not pay any income taxes. So when you look at that a little bit more closely, there are two big problems with it. The first is, we have to be clear, we're not just comparing a tax cut, we're comparing two policy proposals. So while um, the Liberals and the NDP are saying if they're elected as government, they would increase the minimum wage from $14 an hour to $15 an hour. Right. Uh, and Doug Ford is saying we would, not, uh, we would not increase the minimum wage, but we'd give you this tax cut. And by his figuring, that tax cut would be worth uh, $817. That's a little bit on the high end, but even if we leave it at that, and if you do a kind of apples-to-apples comparison, what we're saying is you would earn an extra $2,000 with that $1 minimum wage increase as compared to that $817 tax, um, uh, tax cut. And then even if you take it as an after-tax measure, what you're basically saying, and the bottom line is, uh, minimum wage earners in that situation would be about $1,100 ahead with the increase in the minimum wage rather than with the tax cut that, uh, that Mr. Ford proposed. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've also said that um, most people or many people uh, who are making minimum wage don't pay tax at all because of uh, credits for child care and, and medical expenses. Do you have any numbers on that? Yeah, so the average, um, uh, so the average amount that people who are making less than 30... Um, less than $30,000 a year pay is about $450. Even if you take people who are earning the 28000 that he's talking about, the average amount they pay is about $700. Um, and so that has to do with um, the way that the personal income tax system works, right? You don't get taxed on your top line of your earnings you get taxed on what your taxable income is, and then credits can further reduce your tax. 
don't want to put everybody to sleep. Uh, okay. Listening. Yes. But, good. Uh, good. But but it's it's a little more complicated um, than Mr. Ford would suggest, and so. Absolutely. Everybody doesn't have, uh, you know, medical bills that they can take off their taxes. Other people don't have kids. But on average, um, people who are earning in that uh, minimum wage full-time, full year um, are paying about 700 bucks. And the other thing that's really important to remember is a lot of minimum wage workers aren't working full-time, full year. They're part-time workers. They work part of the year, and then they're uh, looking for work. And so absolutely for those workers, even more so, they're way better off with the increase in the minimum wage than they are um, with, that, with the proposed tax, um, tax credit. Uh, what about um, all the predictions of uh, job losses as a result of this? There are a lot of people who say, we, we agree in principle with the, with the minimum wage hike, but it's just going in too fast for small businesses to cope with, and it's going to result in job losses, I think uh, one of the numbers that came out uh, from a big think tank was 90,000. So, so you want to be clear about what that 90,000 was, right? And that 90,000 was on, first of all, that isn't 90,000 pink slips being handed out, just to be clear. That prediction was about would employment growth be slower than it otherwise would be. So none of those studies were about people getting pink slips. They were all about employment growing more slowly. And those, you know, those studies that were funded by, you know, business associations and uh, other folks like that really are um, at odds with 20 years of economic research that's been done by a lot of people uh, in universities, they aren't people who generally are called left-wing. And what that evidence clearly shows us is that there isn't that big negative impact. And as you suggested a little bit earlier when you were talking to Mr. Ford, um, we haven't seen so far those job losses. And in fact, what was really interesting is the latest numbers for March actually showed an increase in youth employment and an increase in youth uh, labor force, so an increase in, in both the kids who are getting jobs and the hope that, jo- that kids had in terms of looking for work. So um, it's really early days. So far, those predictions haven't borne out. And really, the people who, um, who don't have an interest in uh, keeping wages down and keeping more of the money in their pockets uh, through profits uh, have really said that we're not going to see those big lot job losses. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I have heard anecdotally from people saying they are less likely to hire a student uh, with minimum wage being high enough to get, uh, you know, an adult, maybe an adult with experience. Uh, and, you know, I don't doubt what Mr. Ford said, uh, that that there are some very small businesses in very small places that have already had to lay people off. That's anecdotal. Yeah, so that's anecdotal, and that's also, you know, kind of people's opinions, right? So there's a difference between, you know, there's a big validity for people's opinions or feelings, and then there's, um, and then there's the evidence and the hard numbers. And we also have to say that, you know, we've got to look at this more carefully. So absolutely, I am not saying that there's not going to be a change in how businesses respond. They're going to change. They're going to you know, they're going to work smarter. They're going to have their people work smarter. We've heard a lot of um, um, sort of stories in the news about 
how employers are changing. So some of them shift their hours. I even read about a restaurant that shifted around some menu items to accommodate this change. So absolutely, there are going to be some of those changes, but I really think we have to take a step back and look at this. And I think we have to say, if someone is working full-time, full year in this province, should they be below the poverty line? And the answer to that question by this government was no. That was why they increased the minimum wage. And absolutely, there are going to be some adjustments. You know, um, some people are going to work less hours, but they'll get paid more per hour. So you might have more time to spend with your kids or your elderly parents. Um, some, some folks uh, won't be able to cut it because their business model really said the only way that we could, um, that we could make enough profit here um, is by paying people uh, below, a living, you know, below the poverty line. And then there are other people that are just going to thrive and they're going to win in this competition and they're going to go, we're finding ways to work more productively and to make more money. And that's kind of, that's the way the market works. Okay, uh, let's take a call from Margaret in Thornhill. Hi, Margaret. Oh, hi, Libby. Good morning. Horrible weather, isn't it? Um, what can we say? April showers. It's getting <laughs> anyway. a little better. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. Regarding minimum wage, it's good to hike it, but not to eliminate the taxes. Everybody has to pay taxes, whether they make $10 an hour or $20 an hour. Uh, and that's the way it works. Now, I could see that small business companies like, say, um, restaurants, it's pretty hard for them to give them a higher wage and able to survive. And accordingly, if they are given $15 an hour, then they'll raise the price of food, meals, when we go to eat. Because I know the pickle barrel, they put their prices up quite significantly. And not only that... um, if they cannot manage, you know, it, it, it would cause a disaster. So I don't know which way we should go. I think we should eliminate tax on uh, meals, tax on groceries, perhaps. That might help. Mm. And also, if we do put up the minimum wage to 15%, $15. I don't know how it's going to work, but it's better than them eliminating taxes. What do you think? Um, I w- we'll speak to the economist. Obviously, that is what uh, Sheila Block thinks. Margaret, thanks for your call. Thanks. Okay, Sheila. So uh, there's that one caller that agrees with you. It's better to raise the minimum wage than to eliminate uh, the taxes. Yeah, and I think we have to be really clear about um, about where those taxes go. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, if if we don't get enough money collected for taxes, uh, then, you know, how are we going to pay for the health care that all of us rely on? How are we going to get um, our roads cleared in April uh, uh, when, when it's snowing? So I think we really have to look at those taxes, and absolutely, you know, they could be spent more effectively. But, um, you know, when we're talking about government waste, no matter how distressing it is, and how big that number sounds to anyone in comparison to their own bank account, we're really talking about very small amounts of total government spending. And the vast majority of government spending, we know, goes to, you know, hospitals to make sure there's a nurse and a doctor there when you need them, to make sure uh, that the roads are cleared and that there's a bus to ride on. So I think we have to focus on how you get, how uh, it's, it's actually tax dollars are money well spent. 
Okay, well, Sheila, you've given me the perfect segue to our next segment, which is about whether people's snow in April was cleared properly. Were they able to get out? So I'm going to say thank you very much for that. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. Okay, bye-bye. All right, uh, we're going to take another break, and that is what we're talking about when we come back. Uh, How were your sidewalks cleaned, Uh, the roads? How did you manage through this storm? There are some city councillors who say that the city failed people. We're going to have that when we come back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.